You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, Murad Atesh of The Athletic stops by to break down the expansion draft off-season targets for the Jets, as well as the first round of the NHL Draft. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. You've heard us talk about the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday comes every day by entering DraftKings contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every game night, and it's super easy to do. And DraftKings has pitted over $7 billion to users across all sports, including the basketball playoffs, which are still going on right now, and hockey in just a couple months' time. Football as well is right around the corner. How about that? DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Let's get right to it here. A busy few days for the Jets and it's not slowing down anytime soon. To help us break it all down, he's the Winnipeg Jets writer for The Athletic. And actually joining us from Los Angeles today, Murad Atesh. Murad, how's it going today, man? Uh, having a sunny one over here for sure, Brandon. I, I was just saying, like, my most stressful part of the day was climbing a hill that was too steep for me and was terrifying for a second. But it was beautiful. It's been a, it's been a nice time. I've been down here with Haley and uh, keeping up with all the hockey stuff from a place much too hot for it. That just that basically describes parenting for me every single day. A mountain that's too high and it's too hot, but I, I, I'm with you there. That's cool, and, and hopefully you're enjoying yourself before you make your way back to Winnipeg. Uh, I mean, look, no shortage of news either. So I don't, I don't know if you picked a good or a bad time to go on vacation, but maybe you were able to miss the Stanley versus Demello debate that's been ravaging this city for a couple of weeks. That I know you've dove into that a, a number of times on the Athletic. Um, but it ends up being moot because Mason Appleton's the pick for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, I guess just touch on 
what you make of the Winnipeg Jets process in their decision making during this time and then ultimately what comes after that now that Mason Appleton's the pick. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess say I've been I've been on it, I've been following, I've been working and writing those things from here as well, but like in hindsight it, it sort of feels like much ado about nothing. The Jets kind of ended up going down the path that maybe we anticipated they would. And I feel kind of silly because, you know, I've written four, five, six versions of a Seattle protection list at the Athletics since um, two years ago, a year ago. I can't remember when we started these things, but every few months we'd go back to the well. And, you know, I was down the, like, I had tunnel vision, tunnel vision. It's going to be Mason Appleton. Even when Adam Lowry wasn't signed, it was going to be Mason Appleton. Two days before, they make the decision to leave Dylan DeMello unprotected. And I think to myself, because this is a player type I value very, very much, those five-foot passes that he makes that don't show up on highlight highlight reels. He doesn't crush anybody, but they just create such amazing breakouts. And um, if you look from an analytical point of view, he makes so many extra breakouts in a game that Winnipeg spends more time in the other end of the rink. And it looks like he helps them on offense, though we know he's not an offensive player necessarily. So that's an interesting one. So I started to get worried. Okay, well, that's a player type Seattle is going to appreciate. Meanwhile, Logan Stanley, who has been just such a good story, just a great story, came out of, you know, AHL prospect purgatory in a, in a lot of eyes, I would think, um, and then claims that job. And, I mean, it's, it's great for the team. They were able to keep both of them. To actually answer your question about their process, I just got to respect that they would know more than me. Kevin Shevoldayoff said today that he was getting trade calls on Logan Stanley. So he thought maybe that would be a player Seattle would take um, and maybe flip to some other team. And that's an interesting one for me because on one hand, it seems like they played 40 chess because they knew that. So they protected him. DeMello stayed safe. And on the other hand, it's like, well, what were the trade calls like for, for Logan Stanley? What was the value like there? What was the, the situation there? So, yeah, I guess in the end, uh, Mason Appleton is an acceptable loss given the circumstances and, and the Jets will be happy for it. Yeah, I mean, in all reality, the Winnipeg Jets lose their quote-unquote eighth best forward, which isn't, you know, the worst case scenario compared to some of the other teams and, and the losses they suffered. But that's an interesting point. It's one I hadn't thought of. I, I guess I was just shocked that teams were making trade calls on Logan Stanley that I never thought for a second, well, what would Logan Stanley get in a trade? Do, do we know the answer to that? No, uh, that's, so that would be a secret right now. That's in, in Kevin Chevaldeoff's books or, you know, um, yeah, for, for him to know right now. But I wonder the same. I, I, I want to know GM to GM. I mean, there's 32 of them now. Um, he's such a unique player type, six foot seven, the size. He moves pretty well for that size. In a third pairing role, he was very good. I mean, I've written many times, they, they tried so hard to keep him away from top six competition. If you look at the minutes he played against Matthews or Pedersen or McDavid, it's like it's, it's non-existent. But still, given the NHL minutes he played, he did so well. And he's so shiny because he's so big and strong and, and a good dude. So, like, what is the market like for that? And then how many GMs are like, well, no shot metrics. We we would have preferred DeMello. And, I, and I'd, I'd be very curious to know what that poll was like. I think he'd be pretty attractive to a lot of teams. Now, Dylan DeMello is the interesting one here to me. A, that he's not picked by Seattle, but B, just what his role is going to be next season. I personally believe just trying to judge what the Jets are saying and what their actions are, that they're happy to have Dylan DeMello, but he's not going to be Josh Morrissey's partner for next season. Is that fair or not fair? I interpret it similarly to how you do, Brandon. I got to be honest. Um, 
reasons for that is I, I believe that the Jets are shopping presently, like heading into the draft, maybe after the draft, but uh, for a top pairing right-handed defenseman. It, not, might, it might not be the one everybody wants. I know I see like, you know, people want, you know, Dougie Hamilton or David Savard, and, and maybe those are options. But I think right now Rasmus Ristolainen is a player. They're genuinely kicking tires on, poking around. He has horrid shot metrics, horrid plus minus for years and years. And the idea is, well, he's actually pretty big and pretty fast and he shoots pretty well. And maybe Buffalo is what's ruining him as opposed to him, you know, just being the reason why Buffalo hasn't had success. And, and anyway, so whether, whether it's him, whether he works out, whether he's great or, or not, I think the idea in Winnipeg is they're looking for Josh Morrissey's partner. And the fact that Dylan DeMello is under contract is not stopping them from looking for that partner. I think their perfect view of him might be third pairing mentor, or if it's Nathan Beaulieu, who they value quite a lot, Beaulieu and DeMello had some success as a third pair. If it's a rookie, Villa Hainala or Logan Stanley as a sophomore, Dylan DeMello is a perfect mentor in that sort of role because he's so consistent. And again, those five foot passes put his partners in such good situations. All to say, long-winded way, Brandon, I think you're exactly right. I don't think he's going to be the top pairing defenseman this year. I'm just, hey, he's an NHL player, and I and I get that and respect that. And he's more talented than 99% of the people on the planet. But I just don't know a scenario where Rasmus Ristolainen is acquired by the Jets, and it makes the Jets a better team. On top of that, in your latest article for The Athletic, just diving through you know potential roster scenarios for next season, the price is really, really steep as well from Winnipeg's side. It's not just a reclamation, throw a seventh-round pick to get the guy. The Jets would have to give up tremendous value on top of it. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I can say that I know with some confidence is Buffalo's looking for a first-round pick and a prospect. I think that's been the asking price. And I think that that might be why a Ristolainen deal hasn't happened because, you know, you can look at the point totals and we, we can dissect a player for one thing. But I think one of the reasons why the – the deal has not happened despite his availability for a while is this idea that the price is, is really quite high. And if you look at Winnipeg's from Winnipeg's perspective, they've traded so many futures away in recent memory. A first round pick is probably not on the table. Uh, so now you're looking at a second. And does that mean that the prospect would have to be particularly good? Does that turn into Dylan Sandberg? Is it worth it? Is that a conversation you even want to have? And if it, if it really is a prospect that good or better, I'm personally, I, I would not be interested in that trade. And so that's where all of the wiggle room and all the arguments kind of go back and forth. And, and we'll see what Buffalo can actually get for a guy that everybody has known has been available for, for months, I think. Years, I would even argue that he might have been available for years. And, and you know what? It's funny because, you know, as a, as a closeted Flyers fan, me and my brother have been talking about Ristolainen too. And, you know, there's a part of us that's like, well, maybe if you get him away from Buffalo, he's going to be okay. But I think for Jets fans, ultimately, let some other team make the gamble. And if it pays off, well, congrats. A, a pretty high-risk maneuver worked out for you, but the Jets might be better off getting more of a sure thing. Are there any other potential names floating around, whether it be Josh Morrissey's partner, a right-handed defenseman, or maybe even Neil Pionk's partner? Because right now, with uh, Derek Forbert heading to UFA, there's no real name slotted in beside Neil Pionk. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean... It's, it's so interesting to watch a team handle an offseason where realistically they need two top four defensemen, one on each of their established pairings. And like for all of Logan Stanley's success, I don't think it's safe to project him into a top four role in his sophomore season in the NHL. Um, I had thought that 
Jamie Oleksiak, who Seattle um, plucked and then signed to a pretty big deal, actually, um, would be a good fit in that sort of situation. I thought he would be – I really liked him as an idea for the Jets at the trade deadline. That's not to be so. I thought that Adam Larson was a player type on the top pair that Winnipeg would be interested in, but clearly that's also not an option as well. So for me, what I see right now is Ristolainen as, as a – if this works for a price that the Jets are content with in the short term, that here's an option. But then we may be looking at uh, at free agency. And David Savard would be a good fit, I think, for Josh Morrissey as a right-hander on that top pair. He's physical. He keeps a safe, you know, middle of the ice. But he could also probably pick his destination right now, being a right-handed defenseman who just won a Stanley Cup. So I think that from where I'm sitting right now, there's still a lot of balls to juggle. I, I can't figure it out, I, and I'm certainly not a – Pierre Lebrun or an Elliot Friedman to tell you beyond that. But the wrist line and stuff, I believe to be real. And the need is just as real as the rumors for, for some kind of upgrade, I would say. Let's move up front now. And it's kind of odd. You touched on this in your article, but the Jets seemingly lose an impact third liner every year for the past couple of years. Yoel Armia has gone into trade. Then Brandon Tanev leaves in free agency. And now Mason Appleton is the latest winger to uh, head out the door. I, I guess is it maybe set in stone that the candidate is going to be in-house to replace Mason Appleton? And which one of those youngsters might be the front runner to take over that spot? Well, I'll start in-house because I like some of Winnipeg's in-house options. Um, you know, even just today, Christian Veselainen was named by Kevin Sheveldayoff as maybe a player who flips over to the right side and plays over there. I don't know yet if I believe that he's going to be, you know, we all, we look at Winnipeg's third line and we think, Cop, Lowry, Tanev, or Armia, and we think we know what mode and what model, we know what that job is. So we have sort of a sense of what kind of player. And Mason Appleton did such a good job of becoming that player for Winnipeg and chipping in a bit of offense as well. It was a great season that he put together, and now he's gone. Christian Veselainen, I like his size. I like his shot. Do I know that he'll be a two-way player that can succeed quite like that? I'm not as sure. David Gustafson, big 20-year-old left-handed centerman, um, who is basically being groomed to become the next cop in Lowry. I think middle six center is, is his future for the Winnipeg Jets. There's a player that, again, he's a lefty, so being on the right side isn't necessarily ideal. That's another one, I think. Um, and then and then out of house, I think, I mean, we could see the Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis, UFA type signing reprise where Winnipeg brings in a veteran to play that, that role. It could be, I wonder if the Jets would be interested in UL Armia again at this stage, now that he's been to Montreal and, and, and showed that he developed into exactly the player that he was on track to become. Though I wonder if Armia's price would be a little bit more now than, than once upon a time. So um, I'm not sure that they're set on who's going to have that job quite yet at this point. And, and I, I would be just as, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out of town for it or if, I, or if they promote you to take it. The other spot of intrigue right now, and it's been pretty quiet on that front so far, but Andrew Kopp, the Andrew Kopp situation, I thought he was a candidate to be traded before the expansion draft. If he was unwilling to sign a long-term deal, it would allow you to protect Mason Appleton at that point. <laughs> Do you have a sense of where this one's going? Do you think that there's the potential still that we could see Andrew Kopp traded before next season if he's only willing to sign a one-year deal that walks him into UFA? Yeah, um, I think everything's still on the table for Andrew Kopp's situation. And um, to be clear, let me start this with, I mean, there's a tremendous value to this player. He's been 
a two-way forward, whether at center or wing, for forever. He's part of what makes that Kopp, Lowry, Tanev, Armia, Appleton, etc. line hum. Um, you know, raised as a center, switches on and off with Adam Lowry, um, and does that so well that they cover so much ground. So they're Winnipeg's two best defensive forwards, and Andrew Kopp, boom, goes on that 58-point pace tear. I don't think he's a 58-point player now, but he showed us that he can do some things in that top six when when playing with skilled players. There's a valuable player there. Winnipeg want, would ideally like to keep him long-term if Andrew Kopp feels like he's getting paid what he deserves and, that, and getting minute access that he deserves as well. I think there's still plenty of room for there to be a long-term deal. At the same time, uh, my understanding is that anything, and Shevoldayoff actually verified this today as well, but this is something that I've been sort of poking around a bit. Like I think that things are pretty preliminary on discussions front. So whether he, you know, we're definitely not at the point where he will or will not sign a long-term deal. I think everything's on the table in that sort of regard. And while that was not convenient for the Jets with respect to, you know, making a move before expansion draft so that you could keep Mason Appleton just in case, you know, it might not necessarily even get done before free agency. The one date to keep in mind, I would say, is August 1st, I believe it is, is the deadline for arbitration election this year. And, you know, Andrew Kopp will likely elect for arbitration. And if they go that far, then it's a one-year deal that walks them straight to unrestricted free agency. And that's that's a no-fly zone for Winnipeg. They, they'd be looking to get something for him if they believe that that's where it's going. One last hockey one for you here. I legit thought that the first round of the draft was next Friday. Um, thankfully, you were more prepared than I was. And you, and you, one of your latest articles, took a look at some of the options that the Jets could be looking at with the formerly 18th pick, now the 17th pick overall. Do you have a sense of where the Jets might lean towards? And, and who are some names that, that Winnipeg Jets fans should keep an eye on? Yeah, it's such an interesting one because there is a real clear top tier. Um, and then at around 10, I think it gets really quite open-ended based on, really, this is me talking to prospect experts. I'm not the scout that's been watching every single WHL or part of what this year is just, yeah, with, the, with <laughs> or watching every piece of video or, or what have you. I mean, it's been such an interesting year for scouts to, to kind of do what they do. Right. So um, it's Winnipeg is in a bit of a luxury position in terms of the draft where they can take a best player available, knowing they need help in all positions, essentially. I mean, with Cole Perfetti leading the way, uh, David Gustafson, Christian Veselina, maybe a step behind on forward. There's plenty of room for impact forwards to join this group. I mean, you know, on defense, Stanley was a great story. Now you have Hanel and Sandberg in the wings, Johnny Kovacevic, et cetera. There's still plenty of room to add defense. And if you do add defense to the Winnipeg Jets, um, not to be so stereotypical to go Winnipeg to Winnipeg, but the ICE's defenseman, Carson Lambos, I think is underrated in terms of how well he plays an all-around game. He, know, he gets onto highlight reels when you watch scouting reports because he attacks from the blue line really well. He can lead a rush. Um, he's always walking the line, looking for an aggressive seam that he can pick, whether he's going to take the shot and he's got a good shot or finding a seam for a forward perhaps to, to cut into the middle of the ice. There's lots of things that he does well. But in talking to some folks, I think his defensive game has been undersold and he plays you know big five-on-five five minutes, big PK minutes for the ice as well. So that's a player that I really liked for the Jets in that particular range. Um, and if they if they go to the forward well, there's just two. There's a, a nice run of centers um, that 
I, uh, I guess I'm still doing my research on or whatever at this stage of the game. I think everything is is on the table. The one thing that I don't expect the Jets to do is take one of the star goaltenders that are projected to go in the first round. Yeah, well, don't have to worry about goaltending for a couple of years at least. And maybe, who knows, maybe Mikhail Burden's the next one to take the mantle after that. Murad, thank you so much for joining me, especially on vacation. I wish I would have known that we could have rescheduled this. So I, I appreciate you I, taking I have to interrupt. I'm sorry to be so rude. I'm not technically on vacation. I'm just far away in a sunny land. I've been working. <laughs> and I've been, I've been, this is good. We're game. Like, yeah, don't feel bad at all. I'm in. <laughs> well, I'll get you out of here with this one. And it's a new segment that I debuted, I believe, a week or two ago with uh, Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. So I'm excited to get your take on some of the questions I have because I know all about your Jets information, but I don't know how your food knowledge and what your food game is at. So if if you allow me a minute or two here, would you like to step into the pressure cooker and answer a couple of food-related questions? Oh, my gosh. Bring it on. All right. The last thing that you ordered on Skip the Dishes? Uh, some combination of sushi from any one of the Corden establishments or a Clementine breakfast. Oh, okay. I like that. This is a really, really strong start. Shout out to Sushiya, by the way. Your favorite homemade meal? Uh, oh, gosh. Anything that my mom has made for me over the years. She's in Montreal. I miss her. I, I could go for a nice Turkish meal of some kind. We'll call it kufta right now. Okay. All right. All right. Your go-to Winnipeg spot? I uh, used to be the cornerstone after every... Not every game, but after a lot of games, once the article is in and you're looking for a place, I'm always hungry after a hockey game. And I need a place that's going to serve like a good meal at, you know, 1230 at night or whatever. So I used to be the cornerstone on Artsborne. And one last one for you here. I mean, the schedule just came out today, actually. Uh, so let's say it's game one of the Winnipeg Jets regular season next year. And in some weird twist of fate, you're actually at home and you have a chance to grab whatever meal you want. What is your go-to game day meal? Forgetting to eat because I'm too focused on other things. <laughs> um, yeah, and when that happens, then maybe maybe there's like a little order of freshy or something like that because then I can feel good that it's not like a greasy meal that I've ordered or something like that. Um, or I'm just like making these enormous sandwiches of my own. As long as it's real food, I feel good about it is my deal. We'll have to get you back on sometime and talk about these enormous sandwiches you're making. <laughs> I don't know if it gets any better than that for me. Uh, no, I, I love sandwiches very much, which will, yeah, which makes, I don't even know what to tell you about this. Yeah, well, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Marat, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it again. I guess just let our listeners know, uh, I mean, you'll have some articles coming out with the first round and the rest of the draft, um, but anything else in the pipeline that uh, readers should be aware of? Yeah, for sure. It'll be all over the draft. I'll be in there as well. But, um, you know, Corey Pronman will be all over it for the athletics. Scott Wheeler. I don't know if you watched the if you watched the draft on Twitter last fall, the 2020 draft. But Corey Pronman of the athletic, I'll brag on our behalf, was tweeting out teams picks like a minute or two before they were making them. It was it was witchcraft. So that's something I'm going to watch <laughs> to see if he can, he can re or reprise that or encore it uh, again. So all over the draft for sure. And then because Winnipeg's needs on defense are so clear, we talked about it. Um, there's going to be a little trade market. There's there's going to be the UFA market as well. So it'll be all about trying to keep track of what Winnipeg's decisions are on that front and then projecting what that means for well how well they'll do this year because, you know, back to regular divisions is going to be a tough slide to get back into the playoffs. 
All we're looking forward to you coming back to the city. In the meantime, how does uh, Hollywood Marat sound? Is there a new uh, handle coming your way after your trip out there? <laughs> I can't take the Winnipeg out of the Marat. No, impossible. <laughs> Again, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Right on. Thanks, Brandon. Great stuff there from Marat. Make sure you check out his work on The Athletic, although if you're listening to this podcast, then I'm sure you probably do. Anyways, uh, that was a ton of fun, and we'll definitely have to have Marat on sometime soon. Quickly, before we break, I do want to mention this. The Hockey Podcast Network is running a contest right now. It'll run through July 29th, and it's an absolute beauty. And you, the listener, have a chance to win a brand new Winnipeg Jets jersey, courtesy of Wood Jerseys. If you remember, we actually had the founder of Wood Jerseys, and he's also the Jets stats guy, Ryan Moyer, on the show a few weeks ago. He's a beauty. Wood Jerseys is a is an awesome company, so you're also you know supporting local at the same time. Um, he's partnered up with uh, THPN for this wicked contest we've got going on. All you need to do to win a Winnipeg Jets wood jersey, head to my Twitter page, at Brandon underscore Rewiki. I've actually made it my pinned tweet, um, but all you have to do is retweet the contest post that I sent out. Give me a follow on Twitter, again, at Brandon underscore Rewiki, and also give a follow to at Wood Jerseys. That's it. Three easy steps. Retweet the contest post, follow me, and follow Wood Jerseys. That gets you entered into a draw to win an extremely unique, high-quality, brand-new Jets jersey that'll make you the envy of the neighborhood. You can't wear it, but it'll look sexy as hell hanging up in the house when you're getting ready to watch the game. So make sure you enter that for a chance to win something super cool. That's it for the week. We're back at it on Tuesday, breaking down another massive few days for the Jets. It just doesn't stop right now. But we'll talk the NHL draft on Tuesday who the Jets picked, and any potential moves that they make outside of the draft as well. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. And thanks again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.